Welcome to the Junior Lawyers Division podcast. The Junior Lawyers Division of the Law Society represents solicitor apprentices, LPC students, trainee solicitors and junior lawyers up to five years post-qualified education in England and Wales. Hello and welcome back to the JLD podcast with myself, Daniel Peacock. I sit on the Executive Committee of the Junior Lawyers Division and I am a Dispute Resolution Solicitor at Hewitt Solicitors. This month we are joined by none other than the Law Society Council member, Bal Atwell. Welcome, Bal. Thanks, Daniel. Pleasure to be on and thank you for having me. No, very good. How was uh, we're, As we're currently recording this uh, now, we've been enjoying quite a lot of nice weather. I mean, how have you uh, filled the time outside of office hours? I've been out enjoying the sunshine with my new dog, we've been out for walks, oh. been reading and just set up the sunshine any way we can. Oh, excellent. What's the, what's the name of your, your dog? He's Duke. Oh, nice. Nice. I like that. That's uh, what, what kind of dog? I know that uh, before this digresses into a, a, a podcast on, uh, on Bal's dog, which I'm sure <laughs> listeners will be very interested in in any event, what, what, what type is it? So he's a Border Collie. Um, and he's uh, a very fast-growing pup. Wow. Okay. Uh, that'll be uh, sleepless nights for the foreseeable. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, in terms of this podcast, so this is being brought to you by through the power of the uh, the, the the Tinter Web, and I'm up north, up in Darlington, as we speak. Uh, and Bal, I believe you're you're down in Birmingham, aren't you? That's right, yeah. So, so I, let's uh, let's start so straight off the bat, as this is an extension of the long-awaited return of the Junior Lawyers Division podcast and carrying on from last month's resurgence episode with Manda uh, and go and listen to that if, if anybody hasn't done so already. Uh, what I'm going to do, Bal, is offer you a few names for the for the premiere of this episode. It's a little a little starter, a little teaser uh, for, for the intro. So uh, uh, the, the first one that I've got is... JLD podcast, Return of the Jedi, featuring Balatwell. So you can muse upon that for a little while. Number two, we've got the JLD podcast, Casino Royale. That's just one of my favourite films that I've uh, slotted in there. Number three, we've got JLD podcast, 4.0, Die Harder, featuring Bal Atwell. Uh, and then number four, a slightly more serious and um, more fitting title is... The JLD podcast, Faster and Mule for It, uh, and Mule, I'll start that again. The JLD podcast, Faster and More Furious with Bal Atwell, open brackets, Judgment Day, close brackets. Have you got any preferences on, on any of those? Oh, there's some very, very <laughs> strong things there. Unfortunately, I don't have a favourite film out of all four of them. Uh, I'm a massive Lord of the Rings fan, so I'm disappointed there's no Lord of the Rings themed names there. Ooh, but, but if I have to choose from the four, I'd say I'd go for the last one. The faster and more, the faster and more furious. It's quite a quite a tongue teaser. Faster and more furious with Balatwell, uh, Judgment Day. Yeah, great film. Love that one. Um, okay then, Bal. So in terms of uh, an introduction to yourself, so. Uh, who are you, where are you from, a little bit like a, a Blind Date episode, who are you, where are you from and, and what role are you currently in? Absolutely, so my name's Bell, I'm an in-house solicitor at West Midlands Police. Uh, West Midlands Police, anyone that doesn't know, is the second largest police force in the country, so it's quite a large uh, geographical area, it's an organisation with over 10,000 uh, employees, 
Uh, my role within the force is to deal with commercial property and commercial law. Uh, I'm, I'm from Birmingham originally. I uh, came from private practice, so I trained at Trowers and Hamlins, a mid-sized international law firm. I qualified at DLA Piper, and then I made the move uh, in-house to public sector and in-house life. Excellent, and that's that's one thing that, that I know we've, we've spoken in the past about this, but that's one thing that, that people don't really associate, do they? Say, if you're working house to police now, what does that involve? Absolutely, and yeah, this is something that I've always been asked, uh, whether online or in person at events. And so my role is kind of split between two main areas. So one being commercial property, and that's what I uh, qualified into, and is very much my bread and butter. So that deals with uh, leases, licenses, easements, way leaves of any kind of police property. Uh, and like I said, West Mids Police is the second largest police force in the country, so we've got quite a large property portfolio. Uh, so that's one kind of element of my role. And then the other element is quite wide. Uh, being an in-house solicitor, you get to deal with so many different areas. And one kind of area of specialism that, that I deal with now is commercial law. Mm-hmm. And that can range from a number of things, uh, including confidentiality agreements between the force and individuals or organisations, collaboration agreements between um, different police forces and local councils, anything basically contractual. So in Birmingham, we have the Commonwealth Games uh, this summer. So basically all the contractual work behind that, whether it's funding agreements, whether it's strategic sites for police officers to be briefed or fed, uh, consultancy agreements for us bringing in experts, um, so there's a whole uh, wide range of work um, and on top of that kind of media agreements as well so in terms of the stuff that you might see on the television that's kind of an area of work that I deal with as well um, so a very broad um, remit of work and I guess that's kind of the beauty of in-house um, and I think you know it's something that's really opened my eyes and my mind to in terms of a career going forward. Uh, I think private practice is amazing in terms of giving you the skills and abilities in one area or field, but kind of in-house does really open your eyes to so many different elements of your legal uh, career. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. And that's probably a nice little segue into your training. So uh, in in terms of how long you've been qualified, Bal, how long is that? So we're coming up to towards the end of the year would be four so I'd say about three and a half now right okay uh, and in terms of your experience from your your training provider uh, how did you feel that I like, say private practice it gives you a great grounding for for learning all that knowledge uh, and building on that how, how did you find yours oh absolutely so I had a traditional uh, training contract from Trowers and Hamlins uh, split into four six-month seats. And yeah, it was a very strong uh, training contract, a uh, mid-sized international law firm. I trained at the Birmingham office, which was a, a growing regional office, so there were tons of opportunities in terms of work, in terms of BD. So I think it was a fantastic uh, training period for me. Um, and yeah, I think having the opportunity to train at a larger organisation just opens the doors in terms of events, in terms of, you know, strong resources, whether it's research or black letter law or experts in different fields. So I think, yeah, an absolutely amazing training contract. And again, same with DLA Piper. Uh, I spent a year and a half there and again, soaked up all the kind of knowledge and expertise that a, 
a large uh, private practice organisation can give. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend um, the private practice law firm. But then on the other hand, I also do recommend having a career uh, in-house if you do get the opportunity as well. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you, you've got the best of both worlds really, having you, having had both experiences from the, the private practice and also in-house. Some other experiences that you've uh, gained yourself, uh, and we'll touch more in terms of tips for, for networking further on in the, in the episode. Uh, you do a lot of work with the Birmingham Solicitors Group. Absolutely, yeah. So that's the one of my key organisations. Uh, so the, the Birmingham Solicitors Group is um, actually an official JLD group in Birmingham um, and it's an organisation which I co-chair. Uh, when I was an NQ, I joined um, them as the PR officer, so I was very much in control of all their social media accounts. Um, from memory, I think I created their first kind of Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and now, you know, going on three years ahead, We've got a thriving LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. So, yeah, that's a cheeky plug to follow us. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, it's a fantastic uh, junior lawyers division group. It's a positive, thriving community for all junior lawyers. Uh, despite the name, it is open to all junior lawyers, not just solicitors. Um, and it's just been a fantastic way to network with the legal community, understanding what life's like in other, in other firms, different areas of law, and more than anything, it's just a positive community and it's just fantastic to be part of that where you can kind of share experiences with other people, other peers um, across the city. And it has grown from strength to strength and I'm super looking forward to how big it can be. Absolutely. I think that's a, a very key point as well. I think you, you, you're doing very, very well. It, you say your, your first role there is the PR officer. I mean, that, that is a fantastic way to get out there and network and get to know everybody uh, is by, by doing the PR. Certainly in today's age, I would have, would have said, uh, with social media, with, uh, with TikTok. One thing you didn't mention there was TikTok. Are you, are you looking at um, setting up a TikTok any time soon or is that uh, something for we, further down the line? We actually do have a TikTok. Oh, wow. Uh, fantastic colleague Sheena has actually created a TikTok. So if you do check TikTok and, and search for Birmingham Sisters Group or BS3 underscore events, we should be on there. Um, I'm not personally on there yet, but it's something <laughs> that I would add to my repertoire. Yeah, it's something something that gets uh, gets said quite a lot. It's the, there's so many. Um so many different types of social media now. Uh, I don't know about by yourself, but when I was growing up through university, there were there was pretty much. Instagram, Facebook. I didn't. I, I'm I'm relatively new to a professional Twitter, should I say? Uh, that's one that that I'm I'm really trying to trying to push at the moment. Uh, and again, LinkedIn. I didn't start LinkedIn. I don't think until I was probably in my last year or maybe maybe first year after university. I think that's that that that's really massive in trying to um, promote yourself and promoting others and the groups that, that you've done very very well. I do know that the um, the the BSG uh, are very very active on on LinkedIn there's lots and lots of events that are coming up uh, you, depending on when this episode actually gets released you will have either started uh, talking for um, a few events there what's the 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 most recent one or the the one that, that will be next Bal in terms of what you'll be speaking at 
So in terms of an upcoming event, so the BSG are working in the background um, in terms of our next social. That will most likely be a standalone social in Birmingham City Centre. Um, and that would be coming off the back of a super, super successful event that we held in collaboration with Tag Network, which is a multi-sector organisation. Um, that's an organisation that I sit on their young professional board on. Um, and we, we held a very successful social where we kind of connected junior lawyers with other professionals. Um, and I think that's super, super important for any kind of lawyer to network with other professionals it gives you an insight to different professions, sectors, backgrounds, and just different ways of working. Um, I think lawyers are just exposed to people in the same organisation, same departments, same areas of law. Um, you know, we, we, we forget about all the different kind of qualities and skills that you need to flourish in different areas. Uh, so, yeah, we're coming off the back of a very successful event with TAG. Uh, we are going to do a standalone social um, in the next month or two. Um, and I will be speaking at an event at uh, the end of this month. Um, and, yeah, I'll be talking all about how to make an impact. That sounds excellent. And for anybody who's not seen that on, I'm currently on LinkedIn on one of the screens that I've got to, to the side here. And there's a, there's, a, there's a brilliant picture of Val with a, with a phenomenal beard. And that will become more um, uh, more important further on in the episode because there are some true or false questions involving beards. Um, I thought we, we, we had to, to get that re- relationship in there uh, at some point. Uh, so in, in relation to your role on the Law Society Council, now... I think it's important to say, I mean, what is the uh, the Law Science Council and how did you get elected? Definitely. So I think a good starting block is to explain what the Law Society is. And I think for anyone that doesn't know what the Law Society is, it's the independent voice and body for solicitors. Uh, it does a number of things, including holding events, uh, training, accreditations, uh, lobbying, you name it. So it's a massive organisation that does lots of different things. Um, So the Law Society Council is an elected body of solicitors and they essentially debate and discuss all of the main decisions by the Law Society. Um, And I sit on the Law Society Council as an elected member for junior lawyers, zero to six years PQE. And just to give you kind of an idea, so that's basically anyone in England and Wales that's zero to six years PQE. And um, from recent conversations I've had with the law site, that covers around 30,000 people. Wow. Um, but there are four of us that represent junior lawyers, um, and that is a massive upgrade uh, since previous times where I think there was only one junior lawyer representative. Um, so we are making movements and we are kind of putting across the different views and opinions that junior lawyers have to really shape the profession going forward. Yeah, I, I think that's really, really important work that, that you're doing, Val, and certainly hats off to, to, to all the other council members that, that are there. Uh, one thing I will say as well, I mean, how, how did you, you get involved with, with being elected with that? I, I, I've seen lots of promotions from the Law Society. I've seen uh, lots of people saying, oh, well, it sounds really good, but but I've just never done it. I mean, what, what was your kind of drive to... To, to go on and, and, and make that step? Really good question. So for me, I had pretty much been involved with all my kind of local JLD groups. So as a trainee, I was part of the BTSS, which is the Birmingham Trainee Solicitor Society. As an NQ to currently, I'm you know, leading the Birmingham Solicitors Group. And I think at the time that the Law Society Council roles were advertised I thought to myself what else can I do going forward and in the future and I saw the Law Society Council as kind of the next step up 
from the regional stuff that I've been involved in. Um, and then on top of that, you know, ever since kind of studying law all the way until today, I've been exposed to many different lawyers uh, from many different backgrounds. And I think I've got a good understanding of what's going well in the profession and, and what needs to be improved in the profession. And I guess having those experiences, both directly and indirectly, uh, now in private practice and in-house, I think I've got quite a well-informed opinion and view as to what my constituents, which are junior lawyers, are. Um, and I guess all those things motivate me and want me uh, to go forward for positions like the Law Society Council and really make a difference, because there are, I know a lot of people out there do need kind of support and help uh, whatever situation they're in, whether they're a student, whether they're a paralegal, whether they're a trainee, an NQ, a more senior lawyer, a career changer, you name it. Um, and I guess that's my motivation to kind of make a difference there. Yeah, I think I think that's a, it's a great point. I think you're doing fantastic work uh, on the Law Sites Council. Uh, again, we, with another segue to, to add in there, myself and Bal have just um, released a an article on what is the JLD and what is the, the, the Law Society Council, which will hopefully be up on LinkedIn uh, within the next couple of weeks, uh, if not when this podcast is released. So that's d- definitely one that's that's worth checking out. Another thing that, that, that I always get asked, uh, Bal, is in terms of, well, how old do you have to be to be a junior lawyer? And I, I think there's... there's a great distinction that, that needs to be made, and it is explained in the article that, that we've just written, uh, but all young lawyers are junior lawyers, but not all junior lawyers are young. Uh, it's based on experience rather than age, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Junior lawyer just means that you're junior in your career. There is no age restriction. You know, you could be a trainee solicitor and be 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 even. I mean, there is no age restriction, whatever, and people should not feel... Um, you know, outlawed or the odd one out because they, they may perceive themselves older in terms of where they're working or the demographic of the profession that they think they're in. Uh, so junior lawyer does not mean you are age-restricted. Absolutely. I, I think we're going to touch on shortly in terms of some tips for um, junior lawyers in terms of networking. Uh, again, there'll be another plug in there as well to uh, to, to other articles that you've done. Uh, now I think it's time for the, the long-awaited return of the, the game of true or false. Now, previously, for anybody that, that's listening, has uh, tuned into the JLD podcast of, of the past. Uh, sounds quite cynical, doesn't it? The the, the old JLD uh, podcasts, and uh, they they run a, a fantastic game called True or False. So what I've done is I prepared a number of true or false questions for you, Bal, um, and I I want you to to tell me whether you think they're true or false or they're they're myth. Myth is the kind of the the middle ground where. I just simply wasn't able to find whether uh, it was true or false. Uh, but, but it certainly make, makes for good listening in any event. So the first one, um, I'll read a statement, then you can say whether it's true or false, and I will give you either a, a paragraph of true facts about that or, or, or not. So the first one is, during King Henry VIII's reign, there was an imposed beard tax that every man must pay to wear his facial hair. As a man with a beard, <laughs> I know just how much upkeep there is for a beard. And I think back in those days, if you did have a long beard, maybe you were of you know nobility or had a, a better job. So I'm going to say that's true. 
Yeah, you've, you've seen straight through that question, Bell. That's uh, absolutely right. So in terms of designer beards and designer hipster beards, they're all the rage now. But in, uh, in 1535, King Henry VIII made you pay for the luxury of having a beard. He introduced a beard tax that lined the pockets probably of his, uh, his, his dinner table more than anything. Uh, and it was you, you're quite right in that you mentioned that the, uh, I, I think is incredible. Uh, one question, another qu- a follow-on question, I'd say, this isn't a true or false uh, in terms of um, bailiffs and stuff like that, if you didn't pay, I mean, what would happen then? How, how does a bailiff gain possession of a beard? Wow, I mean, I, I, I don't want to imagine what they did to <laughs> that, but uh, it, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> this is the in-house knowledge that we need, isn't it? This is the, 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 the big questions that are being asked. And, uh, and another follow-up is, when does a beard stop becoming a beard? Absolutely. When does it just become a continuation of hair? When does it just become hair? I mean... It's it just yeah, just endless philosophical questions. Um, so on that, so the the tax actually didn't last long, uh, but resurfaced with Elizabeth the first, who reportedly imposed a similar levy uh, on those with over two weeks of growth. I don't know about you, uh, Bal. So I, I have a beard as well. We we, we bonded somewhat through uh, through our beards. In terms of two two weeks of growth, I, I get mine cut every probably every two weeks is is the maximum. Uh, I think that would be quite hard to to, to judge. In terms of um, the the amount of growth for, for two weeks, yeah, that'd be unfair to some, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's one one thing that I, that I've never struggled with following my twenty first birthday. Other areas, absolutely loads, uh, but but that's one <laughs> thing that that doesn't. Okay, so so far, uh, you're you're one for one. I mean, how are you feeling? The the nerves getting to you or? Oh, there are some nerves, but <laughs> the beard the question has just calmed more now. Well, this, this next one is a question that, that no law student should ask, and I'm sure you've been asked this at networking events previously. Uh, I mean, do you have a favourite act? Hmm, favourite act? Do you mean in terms of comedy, or do you mean in terms of legislation? <laughs> oh, no, it's m- much more boring than that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in terms of uh, legislation. Uh, and the reason that I, that I say that, so this next one is, so the Salmon Act, 19... 19- 86 says or, or does it say um, says the following you will be punished for and I quote handling salmon or fish in suspicious circumstances is that true or false Ooh, as as someone that has enjoyed salmon in the past and seen the price of it on the menu ridiculous um, now isn't it yeah it's absolutely, absolutely I mean back in the day who knows what the price could have been um so I'm going to go with true on that. It's, a, it, it's another good one. Um, and I think it's two for two. So in order to regulate fisheries and avoid illegal fishing and shady trading deals and poaching, and I've, what I've done in my, uh, in my notes is I've, I've put a brackets of insert laughter for poaching because I thought that was a good pun. Uh, the Salmon Act was created in 1986. So Section 32 of the Act, aptly titled Handling Salmon in Suspicious Circumstances, aims to punish anybody receiving or disposing of salmon in an illegal manner. Uh, and in recent years, the clause has extended to other freshwater fish, such as trout, eels and lampreys. Uh, I mean, fascinating stuff, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're two from two. Nerves are all gone now. You're, uh, you're, you're winning. In terms of the final question, now this might be a little bit of a curveball. Now, I don't know in terms of your experience uh, with the seats that you did in private practice. Did you ever do any, any debt recovery or litigation? 
I did do litigation. I did uh, construction litigation and commercial litigation. Right. Okay. Well, that well, this one, this one should be easy. Very, very easy. Um, in terms of so, this is in terms of personal debt. Um, is debt written off when you die? I'm going to go with false. Yeah, you've seen straight through that one. I've set you up to, to try and make your trip up, but you're absolutely right. So in January 2020, it was recorded on certain websites that the average UK debt per adult was £31,600. I mean, that that's phenomenal. Uh, I can only imagine that the, the next couple of years, figures will be a lot higher with the uh, increase in uh, electricity, etc. Um, now, not all debt is obviously horrid. There's good debt, there's bad debt, good debt such as student loans, mortgages, stuff like that, and bad bad debt such as uh, buying items that you don't need with high interest credit cards. Um, so in terms of the myth, you have officially debunked that and when you die, debt is not written off and any assets that you had before your death, including properties, house, valuables, jewellery, uh, beard oil, etc., uh, will all be used to uh, pay off the debt that you've had. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling after that? That's that's three from three. That's It took me a long time to try and uh, decipher all those questions and put them down uh, and you've, uh, you've, you've passed with, with flying colours. I, I can only apologise, mate. <laughs> <laughs> A bit, a bit of an insider trading here, I think, uh, from there. Uh, one, uh, another question. It's not a true or false question. Just a, just a simple question is, what's some of the questions that you get asked from your friends the most? I'll start you off with one that I get asked quite often. Uh, is, oh, I've got a speeding ticket. Can you get me out of it? I mean, have you got any other stories like that? Oh, absolutely. I think <laughs> that, that question surfaced as soon as I started studying law. Um, and when you're a student, you don't really know how to, to approach that question, to be honest, because you're just worrying about your lectures and your seminars. Um, I'm trying to think, oh, because I work for a police force now, I guess there's lots of um, immediate questions about criminal law. Um, but then I have to tell people what I actually, you know, practice in. And then, then they're like, oh, OK. And then they decide to still talk about different police criminal Um <laughs> So I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it's mainly the intrigue about working for the police and not doing uh, criminal law. Um, but then again, at the same time, it kind of um, allows me to kind of research into kind of how the police operate or work. Um, because, yeah, it, it, it's just such a massive organisation and it's not necessarily replicated in the private practice world in the sense of a private company. Um so yeah, even though I do get some interesting questions, I always flip it and uh, turn it into almost a mini research task for me to find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the classic question of, oh, Bal's a lawyer, he will surely know about this niche area of criminal law yeah. off the top yeah. of his head because he works in the police. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see how that gets boring quite quickly. Um, yeah. in, so on, on that topic of... Um, tips for junior lawyers entering the profession now recently you've written i think it was january when it was released wasn't it in the law gazette you've written a an article on the power of networking now i mean why is um networking so important uh, a massive massive question and something that is super super important um especially because of the modern day that we live in we're so kind of connected in terms of technology social media you name it and i think that is is probably 
more difficult now to kind of meet people face to face. So social media is massive in terms of that networking piece. But I think networking generally just gives you so many skills and abilities which your day job just can't give you. And I mean, on on perfect example, I've worked at literally one of the largest law firms in the world. They can give you a lot of opportunities, but to really kind of excel and get to that next level, you do need to expose yourself to different external organizations and kind of put yourself in, in different environments. And, you know, that's exactly what networking does. Um, and it's such an important school, skill, just not just for um, your professional life, but your personal life as well, just the ability to kind of have a conversation to someone um, and, and get that conversation flowing. Uh, it's super, super important. It develops skills like confidence, communication, uh, self-esteem, you name it. Um, and to think back to kind of who I was before kind of getting into the world of networking. So before, you know, starting my professional life, you know, it's was, it was very much, you know, someone that could have held a conversation with someone I didn't know. I definitely couldn't, you know, organize and run events. I could never really speak in front of a large group of people. Um, but, you know, networking provides those opportunities. And people always forget the kind of indirect skills and abilities you get from that. They may not be apparent, but you once you get more immersed into the world of societies, committees, boards and stuff, you start acquiring those skills straight away. So absolutely, absolutely um, invaluable um, and something you do need to embark on on yourself because, you know, your employer can only give you so much. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think it's uh, we, we've all been there at networking events where there's certain people who are, who are doing the, the hard sell and they come over to you, they, they give their spiel uh, five minutes and then, and then move on. I think it's a very, you, you raise a very, very good point in terms of uh, networking isn't networking in, in the sense of a, a formal thing. It's, uh, it's the ability to, to talk to different people, talk to, to, to different people from different backgrounds in different professions uh, and, and go from there. Now, I think that's very good. Uh, in terms of any tips for uh, junior lawyers, let's say for paralegals, for trainees, for new qualified solicitors, uh, what would you recommend that, that they do in to, to, to try and get into uh, networking? Absolutely. So I think the first one, I think that's a cheeky plug for the JLD, but it's just <laughs> search out your local JLD group. Um, there'll be tons of people just like you uh, and people that are probably below you in terms of the career ladder, people that are above you in terms of the career ladder. So it's a fantastic space to be in and just, you know, be amongst your peers and, and touch base on all the kind of successes and woes in your career. Uh, so your local JLD is a fantastic one. Uh, social media is another another fantastic one as well. Um, if you post content, if you interact with content, you'll be exposed to people that are in the same region as you, in the same sector, profession as you. Um, so utilizing social media. Um, and then I think lastly, it's just like, don't be afraid to kind of fail or get things wrong. Um, I still remember some of my first networking events and just not knowing um, how to interact or just feeling quite nervous just speaking to people. But um at the end of the day, whatever we kind of embark on in life, everything, the first step is difficult. But, you know, as long as we've done it and tried it, we can never really know how good we are at something. So just don't be afraid to fail and, and don't be afraid to just crack on and do it. I love that. I think what I'm going to do is get a, get a load of T-shirts printed, Bal, with, with that <laughs> quote and your face on there. I'm, I'm going to make a, a, a late addition to the... Uh, to the title of the podcast uh, of, of Bal Atwell, Don't Be Afraid. How are we feeling about that? Ooh, 
I like that, but it almost feels like a, a bit of a horror movie. Spin-off. Yeah, a little bit sinister. Yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a li- It's intriguing though. I think people would listen. I, I think it's one of those that you'd think, oh well, maybe maybe I'll listen to listening next week. Excellent, Bart. I think uh, everything that we've said there has been fantastic to to have you on and learn more about what the uh, Law Science Council uh, do, how that how to get involved, and your uh, past and, and what you're currently doing in your career. Uh, I think you're doing some really really good stuff. You've been nominated for a number of awards I have a list of the awards uh, but unfortunately my, my, my screen is only so big that, that I, I will only highlight some of the um, some of the, the highlights of of the awards that you've you've been nominated for recently so previously you have won the uh, the future face of legal awards 2021 and also the young business person of the year 2022 uh, what's the plans for next year 2023 is going to be a big year for you Oh, who knows? I'm just uh, enjoying the journey at the moment, especially <laughs> work with BSG Tag, the Law Society, and my obviously in-house life as well. So I'm just looking to see, um, you know, how far we can progress that and, and just make a difference to the the people around me. Oh, I love that. Yeah, is there a celebrity big brother? Is that is that on the list? Oh, d- definitely not with the role with the police. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that could be an issue. But, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> excellent. Thanks for thanks for coming along, Bal. That's been uh, excellent and great to uh, great to have you involved. Thank you so much, Daniel. Appreciate uh, all the conversations we've had, and appreciate you having me on today. No, excellent. And for anybody who uh, is wanting to, to follow Bal on LinkedIn and Instagram, so in terms of your Twitter, uh, the Bal Atwell, I, I believe. That's right, yeah. Um, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Uh, so yeah, feel free to connect with me. Uh, drop me a message as well if you, if you like. Uh, I, I'm not someone that shies away from the odd message here and there. So yeah, feel free to connect. Smashing. Thanks, Bell.